what we do here is go back, 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 back. One goes south. One goes north. <laughs> the dude hopped on the south one on accident. Welcome back to another edition of the Raider Take Podcast. This is your co-host, Andy McDonald. Um, we gave Micah the day off today. Um, just so if anyone was concerned, it was pre-scheduled and approved PTO. Um, so he is within compliance, um, but the man is just, he's been grinding um, and wanted to give him uh, just a day, just just the week off. Take the week off man, on us, okay? Um, so we'll miss him, um, but it's going to be a solo pod for all y'all. So uh, excited to to do this. I'm in my garage right now, just full transparency. Um, might be a little windy, some wind in the background, maybe a few cars. Okay, just want to make sure that I set the stage appropriately. But um, yeah, as far as what we're going to be getting into, um, have a few Raider um, items to talk about. Um, That'll we'll roll through, and then also this is our first um, ever listener question mailbag. Um, so I so, you know solicited some um, questions from our loving fans. They were dying to get their questions in, um, so I'll go through those. We'll have some fun, and then we'll close it out. So just jumping into it right now. So Josh Jacobs, um, it the, his I guess the conversation of Josh Jacobs and the fit overall with. Um, within the offense um, as everyone knew or has seen um, the Raiders declined his fifth year option um, so this will be the last year on his deal um, a lot to be said as far as whether it will be his last year as a Raider um, and also just kind of what his role in the offense will be so from all the reports that have came out of um, OTAs and minicamp um, it looks like um, they, they really want to not make um, Josh Jacobs the bell cow Rightfully so, um, with an injury-riddled history, um, it kind of makes sense. But you know, we're kind of used to him being the bell cow for us. And um, but now you have you know Kenyon Drake coming back off of an injury. This is the last year on his deal, and then also Zamir White, who we drafted um, out of Georgia, which I think you know some fresh legs, someone that can still um, be very effective in the offense and give Jacobs um, you know some necessary breaks to where he can withstand a full season, um, and we can hopefully have him for our. Uh, you know, our foreseen forecasted playoff run because that's where we're going, everyone. That's that's what we're doing this year. We're going to the playoffs. We've got to win a game this time. It was enough to get in last year. We considered it a dub. We've got to move forward and make some progress here um, and get into at least deep into the playoffs. So, so as we saw last year when Drake was healthy, um, used as a complimentary option, um, a lot of third down passing situations that we included him in. And so I think you'll see, you'll still see that. I think he of the three um, with Samir White, Josh Jacobs, and Kenyon Drake, he's probably the best the best threat out of the backfield as, as far as the passing game is concerned. But I think you could see a lot of um, you know, a lot of touches with Samir White too, um, adding him as mentioned um, in this past draft. So I think it'll be a three-headed monster. Um, I think you'll see Samir White in more of a Josh Jacobs type role, giving him a breather on a series um, or potentially a long drive. Um, where he could see some potential goal line touches, which um, he was very effective um, in college doing so. So I think ultimately Josh Jacobs' role in this offense will be, he will definitely, you know, pending he's healthy, be used um, frequently, maybe not as frequent as we're used to, but I think ultimately that will bode well 
for um, his kind of uh, sustained health um, to where he can still be fresh um, once we get towards the back end of the season. So um, that being said, I think unless it's a true, you know, not breakout year because he's had some good seasons, Pro Bowl seasons, unless he completely just rips off a rips off a great year, I think you could um, probably suggest that he will probably not be back with the Raiders, and this will probably you know could be his last season. So. We'll see, um, but just a note to, to touch on as um, something that's came up recently as we started uh, minicamp and OTAs. So, second thing that you know we wanted to to address is um, Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro, our guy got paid, right? So we signed Hunter Renfro to a two-year deal, um, thirty-two million um, in total. If you're keeping track at home, that's sixteen a year. Um, and because this was the last year on his deal. Um, on his rookie deal, we have three years of control, um, so we have him through the 2024 season. So I saw some mixed reviews on, on just the, the deal itself. I personally love it. I think it's something that, you know, you have to obviously, especially with the season that he's had, um, he had last year and just the progression he's made through his career. Um, with the Raiders, he was such a necessity for our team and now will be even more you know, explosive and have had the opportunity to just, you know, really kill teams with, with the, you know, a healthy Waller and obviously Devontae Adams um, taking a lot of uh, double coverage or at least the defense's attention. So um, Renfro's staying with us through um, three years um, in total. We got him through 2024, and I'm excited for that deal, obviously, with uh, the, the wide receiver market that has been, um, you know, talked about a lot, some that, uh, you know, is, is definitely, you know, it would probably be crazy if you were um, – you know, looking at it five years ago, but that's just where the current market is, and and really, it's, it's someone that is, you know, very you know highly coveted um, for the team, um, and he has a big role for us. So, looking forward to what this year um, has in store for Renfro in this offense, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that um, as we get through this episode. But that kind of leads us to now, you know, the last. You know, we, we inked up D.C., we inked up Max Crosby, um, signed Hunter Renfro, now with Darren Waller. So from everything that we've heard, it sounds like the Raiders are working towards um, getting him, uh, getting his new contract um, buttoned up before training camp. Um, so that would be ideal so we're not dealing with any holdouts, any any issues or any distractions, noise, et cetera, um, as we get into training camp and, and into the regular season. So, you know, just, just taking a look at it and just kind of, what I predict uh, market value. Obviously, he's a top two, top three um, tight end. You look at Kelsey, you look at Kittle, and then really it's Waller. So you could rank him wherever you'd like in the three. Um, I definitely think he's probably the you know the second best tight end right now. But looking at the market, um, I, I I just think that he's going to be right around um, you know Travis or uh, George Kittle, excuse me, um, Greg Kittle, obviously, um, you know, 15 a year. I think that's what he's going to be looking for, especially his agent. You know, obviously negotiating, you have you know got to strike while the iron's hot. He's someone that, uh, when healthy, is like mentioned one of the best tight ends in the league. So, uh, my prediction for that is I, I think it's going to be you know somewhere around three to four year deal. I think it'd be interesting to see what it looks like because Waller is a little bit older than I think people may realize. Um, starting his career in Baltimore, um, then coming over for the Raiders, we did sign him for pretty cheap, um, and then he kind of you know you know, tore it up and, and was able to make a big impact um, for the Raiders and, you know, getting to this point where he um, gets a, a much-deserved contract extension. So I think you look at four years, three to four years, 15 mil um, a year. So so it could be, you know, four four years, $60 million. I'm thinking, you know, it's usually a little bit above um, 50% is what gets guaranteed, um, you know, obviously depending on the on the position itself, um, no Deshaun Watson deal where all 230 is guaranteed. But um, I, I would see 
it makes sense if there was something around 35 to 40 of it um, guaranteed in his salary. So just kind of what I'm thinking as far as where the Raiders go with it, obviously someone that we want to build for the future. All signs are indicating that we do, um, and I think it's great that he's, he's sticking to football. He's, he's focused on ball right now, and he's going to let his, his agents and obviously the Raiders organization handle um, the negotiations here. So, so yeah, moving on, um, you know, I'm going to get into this listener question mailbag. Um, but before we do... I am going to do this ad read, okay? You know, I've done it a few times. I feel great about it, honestly. So I'll let you know who this episode is brought to you by. That's DraftKings. Are you ready for the NBA champs to be crowned? Join the finals action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA bet and get $150 in free bets instantly. Looking to turn another small bet into a big parlay during the NBA Finals? Definitely. I, I tried, and it was tough, guys. Um, but with DraftKings, same-game parlay, you can do just that. Don't do what I did. Do the DraftKings parlay, guys. This NBA season, a customer placed a $5 same-game parlay and won over $5,000. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more. And boom! you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sports app right now. Right now. If you're listening, pause. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code TPPN. Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA and the NFL and MLB, but right now it's the NBA, okay? Official sports betting partner of the NBA, that's DraftKings. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, now, in, I, I love DraftKings. Um, unfortunately, California, they don't allow legal sports betting. So, obviously, I was, I was kidding when I said I'd place bets because that, by law, would be illegal. I didn't do that. It's on the record right now. Um, <clears throat> anywho, listener question mailbag. Um, listener mailbag questions? I don't know. Questions of mailbags from the listeners. But really appreciate everyone that submitted these. Um, let's rock and roll, shall we? First question from the guy, at Mel Dreamy, Brother Dan, right? Daniel the Manual, as some would call him. He wants to know, who do you think our starting secondary will be when it comes Week one, Mel Dreamy, thank you so much for the question, my man. Um, from, obviously, training camp still has to, you know, work its way out. That's when a lot of these competitions get settled. But how I see it, um, you know, new Patrick Graham scheme, as we talked about at length. Um, still think Trayvon Mullen is um, penciled in as cornerback one. Um, I think, you know, doesn't necessarily one side or the other, but I think he is for sure the guy that we're going into and saying, he can be successful, obviously, has been hurt, was hurt last year. He's had a tough go about it, um, even though we've seen some big flashes from him. But I think Trayvon Mullen is going to fit the scheme well, um, and I think he's locked in at cornerback corner one. Um, the second one, it's, it's kind of interesting, right, because, you know, you have options. Um, we talked a lot about Nate Hobbs. I s sat there and said he's our, he should play corner for us opposite of Mullen. But I think with the versatility of Hobbs, I think you see him rotate at corner, safety, nickel corner, what have you, right? Um, maybe even just like, you know, that play, he can play off like a linebacker. Um, he can play off the edge. He's, he's so versatile that I think that I th you'll see some snaps at corner. Um, but I, I truly believe that his 
best value to the team is, is, is within a versatile role. So I think because of that, I think Rocky Sin is someone that I would pencil in as, as being able to win, um, you know, a competition in training camp. Um, coming over, obviously, in that trade, um, we traded Yannick Ngakwe, got Rocky Sin back. Um, thought that was a win-win on both sides. Um, I think some competition you'll see um, fighting for that job is um, Anthony Averett, um, someone that we signed from the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you know, very good corner last year, very disruptive, um, fits well for the scheme of what we're looking for. Um, you know, kind of that press bail. He can slide the nickel, um, very versatile cornerback there. I think you see him fighting for that spot. And then also, um, I mean, this is a name that, you know, Raider fans may have forgotten about, but Amik Robbins, Amik Robertson, I mean, Someone that we drafted very high on um, going into the draft, and and obviously when we took him, has struggled to see the field, um, has been very inconsistent when he has, unfortunately, um, and has had some injuries that have hampered um, his development. But um, from just the initial reports, right, pretty this we're getting into um, viral spiral, right, the whoa big off season things that reports coming out of players looking good in training camp and you know OTAs, but. Everything we've heard is Amik Robertson has been very impressive. A lot of the coaching staff has had rave reviews about him. Um, expect him to compete um, for that second corner spot. Um, so, but from my from my vantage point, I think it's Trayvon Mullen on one side, Rocky Sin on the other. Um, and then you got you know free safety Trayvon Morig um, coming off a, a good, I, I would say, really good rook, rookie season. Um, someone that we threw a lot at him early. He had to kind of come in and be the starting safety. I think he handled it well. I think he's going to have another. You know, just take that another step in the right direction with his development. Um, I think he's and I think he's going to excel just with, I would say, better coaching around him um, with the staff that Graham has been able to at least you know bring in bring into the organization. So Trayvon Mullen, he's going to be there. You can put that in pen. You know, obviously pending any injuries, knock on wood there. But um, and then this is this is interesting, right? It's like strong safety. Then we're looking at Jonathan Abram. So someone that has been inconsistent. Um, I think. You know, I, th- I think it's kind of twofold. I think it was kind of how he was um, used um, in the previous scheme, how we, um, you know, used him. At, you know, he's not a true strong safety. Um, he struggles in pass coverage. He struggles in the red zone, especially when you get into the red zone. It's tighter. Obviously, the field shrinks a little bit. You get into more man-on-man, and also that's when teams do like to put, you know, it's, it's really like, you know, man, you know, one-on-ones, you know, so they'll throw out, he's playing strong safety, covering a tight end, they'll throw out a big body tight end, and it's just his coverage skills lack in general. Also, he's, you know, his height, he's not, not a very tall, tall safety, um, and, and, and his strengths are really in, in the run support and just being able to um, use his aggression, uh, maybe tame it back a little bit, right? Abram, no more personal fouls, dude, we're past that. But use that aggression um, and his anticipation to be able to go make plays really um, from the second level and in, you know, so anything from the second level to the line of scrimmage, I think is where he's going to make it. So I see him maybe, you know, getting the starting nod, but also like it's, it's hard to really just say, you know, set in stone because of the versatility of the scheme to where you could see maybe, um, you know, Abram playing a little bit more of that strong side linebacker um, and in that nickel front. Right. Um, so still an athlete that can support the run, um, but also have someone that, um, is able to just make plays across line scrimmage. And then um, someone that we um, brought on from um, the New England Patriots is um, Jerron Harmon. Um, so he was someone that was, you know, very effective, um, you know, obviously had, had some good years, um, good years in New England. Um, and I think he could be someone that, okay, if we bring Abram in the box, um, could see him excel, 
you know, Excel has that true strong safety and, and just once again be able to have a verse like this versatility within um, you know the scheme and have and it's, it's a good problem to have, right? You know, it's a good problem to have these guys that can come in and play different positions. And, and excuse me, but Deron Harmon um, actually came from uh, he was on the Atlanta Falcons. So my apologies there on the mishap, but I did make that wrong. I made it right. Okay, guys, I righted that wrong. Um, he was in New England from 2013 to 2019, played a year in Detroit. Last year was in Atlanta, um, and now he's over in the silver and black, right? That's right where he belongs, hopefully. If he's good, that's where he belongs. If he's not, he belongs somewhere else. So, yeah, I see Abram kind of getting the nod there. I think we have enough depth with Harmon um, to where we can use Abram to where he needs to be. So, you know, I think we got Mullen, Rocky Sin on the corners, Trayvon Morig, Jonathan Abram with some Jerron Harmon in there, um, and also Nate Hobbs. He's going he's gonna to be someone that's going to be on the field 90% of the time, or has to be at least, um, just with how good he is. So I think you see Hobbs in a versatile role. Expect some competition you know, with Amik Robertson um, as well as Anthony Averett. So thank you, Mel Drumy, for the question. We appreciate it. Um, moving on. So I have a few, three, three questions submitted from our guy. I think he was just so blown away from the impact of the Raider Take podcast last week, our guest appearance Devin Flesher at Coach Flesh asks this is directed I guess at me thank you Devin so he says as a recent Paradise High football hire okay PHS football I just got got brought on got brought on to coach some football love it he wants to know I'd love to hear your thoughts on getting back in the coaching world and also what you'll be coaching um, well I'll answer that second question first um, so I'll be coaching DBs Okay, coaching DBs, corners, safeties, um, with more of an emphasis on the safeties, free safety, strong safeties, rover, what we call it, you know, weak side safety, what have you. So th- that's what I played when I was playing football. My football career stopped after senior year. Thought I, I thought I was productive. You can check the max preps if you'd like. I was just undersized. I was not like Coach Flesh. I was not Devin Flesher. He was an ogre out there. Okay, and that's just God, God-given, you know, ability. Size is a is a trait, guys. Size is you can't teach it. So I just didn't have it. He did. So yeah, I'll be coaching DBs in the secondary. And then the first question was, I'd like to hear your thoughts on getting back in the coaching world. So it's been, it's been really fun. Um, it, it's also been something that, you know, it's, it's, it was a passion of mine after I got out of um, high school, was going to college, coached for about four years, um, you know, four years, JV, varsity, football. Um, so it's definitely different. I'll tell you that. This is going to sound like a get off my lawn kind of thing, but the kids are just different. All right, they're, they're the same age, but they're wired different than, I mean, I'm eight, eight years removed, guys. Okay, so it's been a while, right? Um, so they're just different. I think that what is, it's, and it's not different in a bad way. I just think that there's some coaching opportunities, which if you do take your job seriously, um, which I do, it doesn't pay the bills, okay? I don't even know if I get any, a dollar for it. Maybe just, but just some free swag and, you know, maybe some, some meals after the game. Who knows? But I take it serious and, and I, I think that there's some opportunity for, you know, the kids to learn. I think there's opportunity for them to really look at, look at the little things that have always made anyone successful, that has always made um, teams successful, the best players, um, and also Paradise High School. You know, historically has never been the biggest team, has never been that we just have elite athletes um, all around, you know, all across the board outside of um, the Ogre, Devin Flesher. So we've always won off the, you know, being able to focus on the little things and something that um, we take pride in. So whether that's attention to detail in the film room, um, you know, preparation, 
here's a big thing. Here's a big Paradise High School thing is, is the game, Friday's game is one Monday through Thursday, right? And I believe that. So it's all about preparation, how you show up to practice, how you take care of your body through the season. Um, you know, summer going into, going into fall, it's all about, you know, lifting. We got we to we be able to get some, add some strength. Um, there's some real thin boys out there, but, man, they're, they're working. So I think it's been, um, it's been a cool transition for me, um, obviously new. Um, I'll have my moments, and, and I'll get, get them out on the pod. If, if, you know, I'll keep you guys updated on our games as we approach the fall. Um, but, yeah, it's been, it's been really cool to get back out there. I love doing it you know, with the right preparation, with putting in the right amount of work. I think we're going to have a pretty dang good year. Um, but it starts with the coaches. You know, it starts with us being able to um, get, all get on the same page, make every practice, every rep, every drill intentional. Um, and that's something we're going to do. I'm very excited about it. So thank you, Devin, for the question. And I'll keep, keep you all updated as we go. Um, he had another question. <laughs> he says, second question from Coach Flesh. Who has the most insufferable fan base and why is it the Niners? Fair question. Um, tough to disagree with you there. I'll talk about the Niners for a second. I think uh, we just hate the, I hate the Niners, okay? Right? My case, the Niners, we all hate the Niners, okay? We're the Raider fans. The Raiders, not Niners. Not the Santa Clara Niners, okay? Sorry, you're not in San Francisco, guys. We are not in Oakland, so we're the Las Vegas Raiders, okay? Call it what it is. So that pisses me off, number one, and I've said that many times. But the Niners fan base, I think they're just delusional at times. I think any fan base is delusional, to be perfectly honest. But I just think the fans for the Raiders that, that, that talk about Carr and are one side or the other, I think that's, that can be pretty bad. The folks that love Jimmy G, I just don't get it. Um, I think the, the best fans understand what he is and understand really it's Kyle Shanahan is the reason that you guys are there um, and also a rock-solid defense that you know, Robert Sala was able to build before he left and went to uh, the New York Jets. So um, I just think they, it's just irrational at times. Once again, there's a lot of fan bases that are bad. I, I do think the Niners are just really up there. Um, I don't know. I mean, interact with a lot of different fan bases. You know, it's, it's usually your friends or on Twitter or what have you. Uh, Mike would probably be the better one for this question for the Twitters, the Twitter space. Um, but, yeah, I think the Niners are the worst just because I hate them and, and they are the worst. So, yeah, you know, you make a few Super Bowl runs that you don't win. You lost to Joe Flacco, so sorry about that. Um, and then, you know, obviously gave up a big lead to the Kansas City Chiefs. So that was kind of like a lose-lose for our Raider fans. Just like we don't want the Chiefs to win, but we don't want the Niners to win. So um, we lost that one too, guys. So. I would just encourage any fan base to just just look at it for, and call it what it is, right, and just say, hey, Jimmy G is fine, but there's a reason they traded th- two or three first-round picks to move up and take Trey Lance, and also he needs to develop pretty quick. So I think you'll see a trade there to where, you know, maybe some Niner fans will be bummed that they're losing out on Jimmy G, which he's kind of like a Kirk Cousins. Sorry, Devin, to get back here, but sometimes it's like he's trying to lose the game. So we'll see what they have in Trey Lance, but Niner fans um, – just know that you're blessed to have Kyle Shanahan and a great defense and just call it what it is, guys. Everyone, and I, do, I say the same thing to Raiders fans, okay? I feel like it's fair. Firm, but fair. Thank you, Devin, for that question. And last question that he, he submitted, um, Coach Flesh wants to know, what's my favorite Micah story? Now, I, I don't even think we have enough time to, for me to rip through. The, there's so many, and there's in so many different categories, right? It's like, are we talking Raider games? Are we talking just childhood interactions? Are we talking about, I don't know, there's so many that I could go. But I will say that, well, okay, I'll, I'll share a funny one, and, and I hope he doesn't get angry with me here. But it's just me, man. So Devin asked the question. I'll share a funny one, and then I'll, and then I'll share really what my, the answer to this is. 
One of my favorite Micah stories is um, we had just moved into a new place in the Bay Area. It's week one, Monday night, and uh, I think we're playing the Broncos. And he says, uh, he's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to come down. I got the day off. I'm going to come down. We're going to watch the game. I was like, great. Makes an effort. And then, you know, he had the day off. I was working. So he's like, I might just go to, you know, to tailgate a little bit, tailgate with the fans. It's week one. And then come back to, to the crib. I'm like, dude, great idea, by the way. So he does that. He does it. And he, he gives his effort 100% anywhere he goes. That's the kind of guy he is. That's why he earned PTO. And I'm sure whatever he's doing right now, he's going 100%. So he took BART out. So if anyone's familiar with Bay Area transportation, um, BART can take you directly to the Coliseum. So prior to us moving to Las Vegas. Um, so he goes out there, has a blast. Now, he texts me and says, hey, I'm leaving the tailgate. I rocked it. I'm like, I bet you did. Good for you, man. Proud of you. And he's like, I'm going to head out, head back to the crib. I'm like, great, I'll pick you up um, at the nearest BART, sta- BART station. So... If, if you've ever been there, there's at, at the Coliseum, as you get back up, right, cross the bridge, get to the BART station, one goes south, one goes north. <laughs> the dude hopped on the south one on accident and says, hey, I'm head, heading your way. I said, all right, sounds good. And then he's like, five minutes later, I'm heading to San Jose. I got on the wrong one. So it was a funny experience, but just in true, in true form, the way that this guy gets down, makes it back before kickoff, ready to go, executed. Just the, it's one of those where, you, I mean, I guess he had to be there to read the text. I don't know. Just he's like, doing this. It's a blast, dude. Check out these photos. Okay, now I'm heading to your house. I said, great. And then he just says, I'm heading southbound. Don't know how I got here, but I'm on the wrong train. It's a funny story, but it also was big game. He made it back. Always, always comes through. That's the kind of guy he is. That's one of my favorite ones. I have many more. We could spend a whole episode, as I mentioned. But I would say my favorite, my favorite, truly favorite story is, was he was the best man at our wedding, uh, my wife and I's wedding. He's my best man. That, that should be a no-brainer. Guys, we got a podcast together. That's not why. That's, we're just homies like that. Best man gives a speech at a wedding, and the dude memorized his. And did, like, didn't have to look at anything, just memorized his as if it was... It was, it was incredible, incredible performance. Didn't stutter, stop, or pause, like, oh, where was I going? That's hard to do, especially in that setting. He's not the guy, as you guys know, I'm the guy that just talks for no reason. Everyone's like, dude, shut up once in a while. He's, he's a quiet guy, and you're talking in front of, you know, 100, 150 people, right? It's tough. Dude memorized the speech, hit all, all sorts, and that, it's a tough spot to be in, right? If you're talking about a best man speech, the maid of honor, she kind of already won, you know, like she kind of already has the crowd. They're like, this is going to be great because she could tell something funny, right? She could tell a funny joke that's really not kind of that funny, guys, you know, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, hilarious, funniest thing I've ever heard. And then she could say something like, and we've been friends for years and I love you. And then people start crying. So the maid of honor owns that thing, you know, so as the best man, it's just a tough spot to be in because you're like, man. I don't want to be that guy and just start, like, do I roast Andy too much? Do I, you know, mention something from the past to get him in trouble that we have to deal with kangaroo court, you know, in a week? It's like the dude just nailed it. It was funny, sentimental, great rate of references. The dude just rocked it. It wasn't too long, wasn't too short, and he memorized it. I mean, that's my favorite story, just witnessing greatness live is you know, if you've, if you've ever done that, if you just witness greatness live, it's, it's just one of the most beautiful things. So it's my favorite Mike story. It's my guy. Um, thank you for the questions, Devin. Um, moving on to the last two. And now these last two are from a familiar friend that you guys know. 
my brother-in-law, Jake Straub. Um, he's been on the podcast a few times, um, and it's his birthday. So I wanted to say happy birthday to you, Jake. We're going to clap it up for you. <laughs> clap it up for you right there, Jake. Thank you for the submissions, and mostly thank you for being born on this day. Not today, but um, 30, no, we'll call it 25, Jake. We won't, we won't reveal your age on the podcast, but he's right around 25, give or take. 25, 26. But happy birthday, my friend. I wanted to lead these last questions for you. So Jake wanted to know, is our offense going to be a powerhouse this season like it's starting to look like, or do you think it'll take a few seasons to click? So I think it's a great question because you talk about, take last year's offense, you know, obviously no Devontae Adams. You know, a lot of, it was really a lot of Hunter Renfro in the passing game. Waller was um, inconsistent just due to injuries. So, um, and, and even then, you know, we made the most out of Zay Jones. Um, Brian Edwards saw his time. He's in Atlanta now. Best of luck to him. Don't get me started on Desmond Ritter. I'm not going there. Um, but, you know, our offense is, is com- from a personnel standpoint, completely, re- you know, revived in, in a sense, right? So you, you bring on Devontae Adams. That alone, you know, is going to be fantastic. Then I think Zamir White, like we talked about, is, is going to make a big impact where he can. Um, and then you look at, you know, folks that maybe aren't, you know, these big names, but we added some depth for the receiving core. So, you know, you're looking at Demarcus Robinson. You're looking at Mac Hollins, um, some guys that can come in and get some reps. Demarcus Robinson is going to be that speed guy. Um, just didn't get a lot of touches in Kansas City. Tyreek Hill, Michael Hardman, Travis Kelsey, you name it. They had a lot of weapons. So he, he'll have his chance to, to shine, too, especially in training camp. So looking forward to that. Um, and then, obviously, not to mention Josh McDaniels. So I think that is going to be something that you'll see. Um, obviously, the, the scheme will be different, you know. Not formation is not too crazy, you know. Change from from what we, you know, wing T, you know, wing T, <laughs> wing T is the paradise football offense. I'm see, I'm still dialed there, you know. The West Coast offense, you know, he has it's, you know, that's that's kind of what Gruden was running. Still a lot of under centers. What you're going to see, um, if anyone's interested, just you know, McDaniel's was the offense coordinator for the Patriots. Look at you know last year with Mac Jones. Obviously, it's a little different when Brady was there, just because Brady had more control. But really, if you want to get an idea of McDaniel's scheme his offense take a look at last year um, Patriots game with Mac Jones under the helm reason being rookie quarterback to where it was you knew that this was truly 100% McDaniels once again when Brady was there I know there's a lot of Brady influence so I think the most organic way to to see you know kind of what his offense looks like is is looking at that last year so I think you're going to see a lot of stuff under center a lot of stuff off play action Um, he just the what I have loved about McDaniels is in, in norm, not normal offense, but the traditional offense is, is like, hey, this is, you know, we're scheming up for this coverage and this, this um, like, one or two routes, right? So, hey, if, you know, that's where a lot of the, the pre-snap reads with Carr, he gets up there and he sees, okay, hey, we're actually, they're in cover two. We, we thought they were going to be in cover three or wanted to run this play in cover, off cover three. Um, so we're going to check out of that, right? And so he'll check into a favorable cover two thing. Now, the beauty of it, I think we'll see the results, right? But McDaniels, the plays that he has is, is so detailed um, to where they can be successful for whatever, you know, front you see, for whatever coverage, you know, is it man, is it cover two, cover three, you know, quarters, what have you, is, is he always, he has answers within, um, you know, the routes, you know, there's a lot of option routes. Okay, so now, hey, we, if you do, you know, we, th- you know, it, we thought this was going to be cover three, we're actually seeing a cover two look, so now this slot receiver, instead of doing X, you're going to do Y, right? 
So there's always answers within there and not just like check down, right? Not just, hey, if this doesn't get and we get a bad look, we'll either check into another player or we'll just try to see if it, it opens up. If not, let's just check it down to something. Um, and so I think that's what makes him um, great. I think that's what makes him one of the best offensive minds in the NFL. Um, and I think that with the core of, you know, which will the, the next question is kind of going into that, but the core of Carr, Adams, Renfro, Waller, you know, I think, you know, Jacobs, Zamir White, I think you're going to see a balanced offense, but really I think you'll see DC take his, you know, take another leap, um, another step um, in, in his progression of his career. So I think it's going to be fantastic. I think McDaniel is going to give us a lot of, really put us in a lot of great situations to succeed. And, and then, you know, you can do that. Think of the Niners with Shanahan. You can do that with, you know, lack of talent um, that the Niners have had at quarterback and skill positions. But, um, you know, couple that with someone that's just as bright as Shanahan and McDaniels, and you also have some star power, you know, at your disposal, which is what we're getting into with the last and final question here. Um, and, oh, so I guess I'll, I never really answered the question. That's on par is how I do it. But I think you'll see our offense. I think our offense can be a powerhouse from, from Jump Street. Um, it might take a few weeks to get into a rhythm, but I, I do think it can turn around that quickly. Usually when it does take maybe a year or two is when you have you know, more of a rookie quarterback or just brand-new personnel across the board. I think we have a lot of the guys that are able to pick up the offense you know, and a lot of familiarity with Carr to Waller, Carr to Renfro, um, et cetera. So bringing in Adams, he's a vet. He's going to pick it up quick. So you have some smart guys. You have a smart coach that's installing this new scheme that I think is going to be – I think you'll see it pretty early um, that we can be one of the better offense, top five offenses in, in the NFL. So – Thank you for that question. Um, and yeah, transitioning to your last question, birthday boy, will the Carr Adams Renfro Waller combo be the most revered in the NFL? I don't know another team that has this kind of combination. Um, and I think specifically, it kind of comes down to it, it comes down to the tight end, right? So if you look at, let's just take Waller. Let's say he's top three. Okay. Look at Kittle. Okay, Kittle's Kittle's another one. Okay, Trey Lance at quarterback or Jimmy G. I don't know. I don't care. That's not even close with DC. Debo Samuel is great. We have Renfro Waller. Okay, I don't think it's close from a, a combination of quarterback, tight end, two wide receivers. Um, and then you look at okay, maybe who's another, you know, uh, tight end that that's up there. Let's take Travis Kelsey. You know, you got Mahomes. They lost Tyreek Hill. Okay, so now you're going with Juju Smith-Schuster and Michael Hardman. Okay. Sorry, this isn't biased. I would take the Raiders combination there. But the point is that it kind of all starts with the tight end, in a sense, with having a top three tight end and then a top three wide receiver in Adams, top 10 wide receiver in Renfro, top 12 quarterback in Derek Carr. So I think I don't, I don't know a combination that would be better. I'm kind of looking for the teams right now. I mean, you look at the Ravens. I mean, they got Lamar Jackson. They got Mark Andrews, who's a top five tight end where they're wide receivers. You know, they just traded Hollywood Brown for a reason. <laughs> that dude couldn't catch anything. That's pretty important at the wide receiver position. And then, I don't know, you look at the Cleveland Browns maybe, right? So, okay, well, Deshaun Watson, I don't even know if he's going to play this year. Um, so even if it was Deshaun or Baker Mayfield, you look at Nick Chubb. Um, now we're getting into more so like the running backs too. But, um, you know, they don't they don't have really a ton of um, great wide receivers. They re-signed David Njoku, but... Yeah, I, I really am trying to find a, a combination that's even close. But, Jake, I think that's a great point, great question. I think the Raiders have the best wide, or quarterback, 
tight end to wide receiver look in the NFL, So, which will be a big reason that we'll be successful, and I think that the team will take off, especially offensively. We're looking forward to a great year, guys. I'm optimistic. I always like to give the dates. It's June 17th. It's Jake's birthday. Okay, it's early. I'll probably give me time to be negative, but right now I'm keeping the vibes only positive for this episode. So once again, we appreciate the love. Thank you for the questions. Um, Micah, I missed you. Looking forward to get back in the saddle with you next week. Um, but until then, Raider Nation, stand up. Love you guys. Peace out.